the game of battleship has been around a very long time. And I'm, I'm just curious because we are in this summer series. In the summers here at Timberline, we, we love the fact that we live in Colorado. And, and so we try not to do what we call domino series where you need to be here last week to understand this week. And then you need to be here that week to get the next. So we don't build on each other. So games people play is the series that we're in, and we've picked 10 or 11 games out that most of you know and have played. How many of you have never played Battleship? Just let me see if you've never played. Okay, not very many of you, just a few. Well, I, I highly recommend it. It's an old game. It's been around a long time. It's very simple how it works. You kind of both have these little plastic boxes with a chart at the top and a chart at the bottom. You have some ships that you put in sneaky places. How many of you had secret spots for your ships? Yep. And then you call out a letter and a number, C5, and uh, you try to hit their ships on their pegboard, and the last one standing wins. That's basically how it works, and it's, it's, it's really fun. So I really always enjoyed playing Battleship. Me and my sisters with our parents did a lot of summer vacations growing up here in Colorado, and they had a camper, so we would go, and one of the things we would do in the evenings is play games. A lot of card games and Battleship was one of those in the tub that we played. So I grew up playing a lot of, of Battleship and, uh, and had a lot of fun doing it. Now, the, the truth is that we are in a battle in our spiritual man. Now, we're going to have some fun talking about the game itself, but there's a very serious side to this message that, that has to do with your soul. It has to do with your eternity, like for real. It has to do with how important this is that you get this right because the battles you are, in, you are in are not to win a trophy somewhere. They are to have life with God forever. The stakes are high that we get this game, quote unquote, right. So if you have a program, uh, I want you to follow along. And I'm going to use a few biker analogies today, not all of them, because I'm using a spinoff of this message for our biker service at 1130. It's going to be crazy in here. Just say a prayer, whisper a prayer. We know of some bikers that are supposed to come that really haven't been around church. And we're just prayerful that God would really touch their hearts and, and open them up. So that's happening at, at 1130 today. Keep that in your prayers as you're eating this wonderful food out here and you see them coming. And be nice to them. Okay? Be nice to them. Bikers are nice people. Yeah, most of them. Okay. So, number one in your outline, if you have a program, follow along on the back. Number one is this. This, this game, Battleship, it's a game of strategy. And, and it really is. You put, like, I had kind of a default mode. My sisters learned this quick. And so I had to change it up. But I always liked putting, like, my aircraft carrier way down in the bottom left, you know. It was just hiding down there. And so after a while, that's the first place they would look for me. And they would always get me. So I had, to, I had to change my strategy. So you can't get stuck doing the same things over and over and over. But Battleship is a strategy. You place your boats where you don't think they're going to find them. And they will eventually find them. They're placing their boats where you won't find them. But you want to eventually find them. When I think about our lives with God and I think about the challenges that we have to live a godly life. We face the enemy who is real. Now, without going into a, a big theology of all of this, Lucifer was an angel in heaven with God, rebelled, left heaven with about a third of the angels, 
They became an evil force to reckon with to destroy God and everything that God had made. We now live in a culture and in a world that is very spiritual. You might not be able to see it. You might not be able to feel it on your skin. But I promise you, everywhere in the cosmos, there is a battle going on of the spirit. So I'm gonna, I want to just read to you a passage in, in, in the book of Ephesians that Paul wrote. Paul went around and he planted many, many churches. Ephesus was a wonderful community. They loved Paul. They had a great relationship with him. He suffered while working with the church in Ephesus. But this is what he says. Now, when he wrote the letter, they didn't divide it into chapters. It was just one long letter. Later on, when the Bible was formed, they divided it into chapters so that you and I can say Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, like we're going to do today, and you can go find that exact spot. But where we're picking it up, he starts out by saying, and, and finally, in other words, it's the last part of his letter. It's like when you're standing with a friend who's getting on a plane and they say, I need to tell you one more thing. What does that mean? It could be the most important thing they're going to say because it could be the last thing. So that's what Paul's doing. So I want you to kind of get that in your head. This is very important and he's putting it up on the scale. So in verse 10 he says, a final word. In conclusion, by the way, don't forget this. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all what? Strategies. Does the enemy really have a strategy to try to take you out? Well, evidently so. That matters. We got to get that right. We got to pay attention to that. The strategies of the devil. For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. In other words, it's not really human. But against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. Against mighty powers in this dark world. Against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Wow, what a picture. This is, this is creating a picture for us to recognize that that out here is a spiritual war going on for your soul and for mine, and it's very, very real. It's not pretend. Now, having said that, I want to put a word of caution in here. I'm not a person who believes Christians should be looking for the devil around every corner. I don't wake up in the morning and go, where's the devil? I know he's in the room. i got to fight him out of here. You know, i got to pray him out of this room before he makes me do something I don't want to do. I don't, I don't believe that. I believe that the spirit of God in me is greater than the evil man. And we have that confidence. But having that confidence simply means I'm going to live my life with an awareness that I am in a battle. And the enemy wants to take me down. And it changes how I live if I know that. You know, when you're playing war games or you're playing hide-and-go-seek, you're playing steal the flag, some of these fun summer games that we play, you're a little more aware of who's around you. And you're paying attention. And that's really what Paul wants us to see in this is don't take for granted. Don't just pretend that the battle isn't there. The battle really is there. It's an unseen world. I, I love the analogy of tire pressure. Right now, if you drove an automobile here or a motorcycle here, there's a battle going on out there in that car. The weight of the vehicle is pushing and pushing and pushing on those tires. And it creates what is called pressure. And those tires are laboring 
to hold up the weight. Now, when you go to your car, you're probably not going to go out there and go, oh, I'm so sorry, little tire. I hope you're okay. The tires were made for that. They were made for that. We are made for battle. We are instructed. We are given a, a weaponry by God, which we're going to read in a moment, to overcome the tactics of the enemy, and you can live victorious. You do not have to be stuck in your sin. You do not have to be stuck in your addiction. You say, but you don't know. You don't understand. No, I don't, but I know what God's Word says. And there is victory, and we can have that. And so today is about us understanding that we can go after that. And if you're not attaining that, we're going to pray for you at the end that God will give you that sense. I... Uh, I think it's very important on a, on a motorcycle. Uh, those of you that ride, you learn this right away, especially in a dirt bike. If you see a trench on one of these old Colorado dirt roads that the water has created and it's, you know, a foot deep and about that wide, as you're riding up that road at a pretty good clip and you see that trench wiggling around on the road, you don't look at that trench and say, Boy, I don't want to go in there. You know what will happen if you look at it? You'll go in it. Because on a motorcycle and a bicycle, it's the same for you cyclists. You go where you look. And so it's very important when you ride that you ride looking in the direction that you want to be going. What's the line? That's what it's called. The line that you pick to go through these obstacles. That's what we have to do in our spiritual man. What is the line that God is calling me to walk? What are the things that I must look at? Yes, Satan's throwing bombs everywhere. Satan's trying to get me. There's disappointment. There's discouragement. There's evil all around me. But I must fix my eyes on the path that God has for me. When I do that, I'm going to make it through the minefields. Very, very important strategy. Number two, is there really such a thing as good versus evil? Is there, and I put it in the form of a question. How many of you think there is? I, I do too. I mean, I don't think we're just creating this or making this up. I think there really is good and evil in our world. And I think the source of real evil is Lucifer. It, it is our enemy. And sometimes it can be lived out through mankind. And so our flesh desires Sometimes the things of the flesh. That's why we have to not live according to the flesh, but live according to the what? The spirit. And that's a challenge. And that's the war, that's the tension, that's the battle that you're going to be in every day of your life. And it's, it's a lot easier to follow the evil because that's the human nature. That's that that part that's not been regenerated by God's spirit. We all have that human nature and we, we know that we're, 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 we're killing that every day. We're, we're wanting that to die. But this is not heaven. We do not have our new spiritual bodies. So as long as you have a brain and it's functioning, you're going to have to face temptation. You can win, you can overcome, but you're going to face temptation. So don't be surprised when you're tempted. It's not a sin to be tempted. There are so many things in our world that are going to tempt you. There's, there's all kinds of stuff. I was thinking the other day of how selfish sin is. It starts with self. And I started making a list, and I won't bore you with all of it, but I, I, I thought of the word greed. Where does that come from? Do, do you just wake up one day and all of a sudden you're greedy? 
and it just happened in your sleep? No, it's probably a cultivation of what happens in your mind for you to slowly slip into selfish desires. Lust is even in a whole other step. Lust is looking at something and saying, I want that. That makes me feel good. I'm going to pursue that. And it's this appetite that's created, and I will go after that. The love of money. The Bible says it's not money that's the root of all evil. It's the love of it. Why? Because it's a selfish desire. Matter of fact, we do a thing called Financial Peace University um, several times every year here at Timberline. If you have not been to that, get in that class. It starts, I think, June 26th. Uh, just in a few weeks, and it will change your life financially. Principles that work. But finances are really used by the enemy to create temptation and, and evil desire. I think of violence. The desire to create pain in someone, to get even with someone. Have you ever had a moment when anger jumped into you and, and it kind of surprised you? Like, wow, I thought, that, I thought I was godly. <laughs> I'm really mad right now. Or something comes out of your mouth that shouldn't have come out of your mouth, and you're going, wow, I, I better pay attention to this. See, good in our world requires self-restraint. Evil is doing whatever you want because that's what you've decided to do. I don't know about you, but like how many of you have a yard or a garden or something where you grow stuff? Anybody? What would happen if I came over to your house today and I started examining your lawn or your garden do you think I would have the chance of finding one weed? Maybe. For sure. One. I probably would. Two. Okay. <laughs> probably. Well, how would you feel if I walked over to that weed and I looked at you in the eye and I said, when did you plant that weed? You would say, well, I, I didn't plant that weed. And I would say, well, how, how did it get there? Well... <laughs> Well, first of all, I need to be careful about saying weed in Colorado. I get that. <laughs> kind of hit me right now. I'm not talking about that weed, okay? <laughs> I was red already. Now I know I'm red. Okay. Weeds, weeds grow without you planting them. They just happen. That's what evil is. It's, it's just such of the nature of man that without being born again, without having the Spirit of God to fight that, you're going to end up just growing weeds in your life. They just come. That's just how it is. You can't avoid it. Without what Jesus did on that cross, you cannot avoid having weeds in your life. That's just how it's going to be. Number three, set up your life with a good defensive plan. Set up your life with a good defensive plan. When, when you play the game of battleship, that's what you try to do. You try to hide the ships. You try to put them, you know, I've tried tactics where I put them all in a cluster. and You put three over here. You, put, you try everything, all these different strategies. But the biggest thing, you're trying to hide them from the enemy. And that's defense. If they can't find them for a few plays, you have a chance of getting a jump in the game. In our lives, that's sort of how it is. Now, what Paul's going to do is, in light of what he just told us, that the battle is raging and it's, it's not flesh and blood. It's not that person you think is driving you crazy. It's the enemy using that person and their maybe lack of character, lack of integrity, to get to you. I get that. But... 
It's bigger than that. So here's what he says in verse 13, very next verse. Therefore, in light of this battle that's going on, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to what? Resist. That's a very strong word here. Resist. That I'm not going there. Resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. It doesn't mean you won't have a battle. It doesn't mean you don't have to start by being firm and by holding on to God. It means you will fight some battles, but you will be standing. And then verse 14, stand your ground. Stand your ground. I, I love that kind of command. Putting on the belt of truth. Then he goes through a list. The body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. What is Paul doing? Paul, remember Rome? Rome is the dictator. Rome is the powerhouse in this day and age. What is he doing? He's taking the analogy using a metaphor of, of a Roman soldier, the helmet, the breastplate, the belt, the shoes, the defensive weapons, the big shields that they had, because the Romans were really good at creating arrows that they would light the end on fire to get over the walls of someone they were trying to break into. So Paul's taking all of these metaphors and he's applying it in our spiritual lives to saying, do all of that so when the battle comes, when the spiritual battle comes, you have your defensive weapons and you have the sword of the spirit that is your offensive weapon. Stand your ground, the belt of truth, shoes of readiness, shield of faith, helmet of salvation. It goes on and on and on. So how did Jesus navigate this? Did Jesus ever sin when he was on the earth? <laughs> Some of you are like, No, he didn't. He didn't. He was sinless. That's, that's what made it work. He was sinless, and, and that's very important. But how did he do that? Well, go, let's go right back to where it all started. I know he, he spoke once when he was 12, when he ran away and they had to find him. But then again, when he was about 30, he started his ministry. Remember where he started it? In the desert. And I know his first miracle was the wedding in Cana, but before that, it's the desert and it's temptation. And he is with the enemy. And the devil actually tried to torment Jesus. And for 40 days and nights, he's out in the desert fighting the battle. And three different times, the enemy came to him with different temptations. And I'm not going to go into all of that, but I'm just going to say this. Like one of them is, he said, Jesus was really hungry, the Bible says. And he says, turn these stones into bread. Now, you know, if you, if you had the power to do that, I think I would have gone, oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> wow, put some prime rib on there too, right? I mean, you're thinking, if I'm God and I can do this, but what did Jesus do? What are the first three words? Every temptation that came, remember what they were? When Jesus spoke back? It is written. He uses the word of God as his defense. He says, it is written, man doesn't live by bread alone. In other words, if I did that, I'm just going to get hungry again. In every temptation, 
He used the Word of God. That's why we need to have the Word of God in our lives, you guys. That's why the best defense is the Word of God, people in our life, measuring where I go, what I do, paying attention to the details of my life. I was working with a guy years ago who kept getting drunk. He had a real alcohol problem. And I finally said, well, you know, are you usually with the same people when you do this? Yes. Are you usually at the same bar? Yes. Why don't we stop two of those? That seems pretty simple. But that was his routine. And sometimes we have to get out of our routine and build up our defensive to say, I'm not going there anymore. I'm not doing that anymore. I can't date this person anymore. I'm not, I'm not going to be in this arena anymore because I always fail. I'm not strong enough to do it. So pay attention to these types of things. When I ride my motorcycle, and I love to ride. I don't ride that much, but I do enjoy it. I tell you what I do. I literally pretend like every car on the road is trying to kill me. I do. I ride so defensively. I get on that bike and I look at and I see a car pulling out and I'm like, okay, they're going to pull out right in front of me. I know they are. If I can change lanes, I will. But I am ready and sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. But I know this, I'm going to do the best I can to defensively be aware of every attack. If I do that in my spiritual life, if I, I'm not talking about paranoia, but I'm talking about getting up in the morning knowing that there's a target on my back, you guys. There's a target on your back. And, and if you go down, it hurts a lot of other people besides you. If I go down, it's going to hurt more people than just me. Because we're trying to stand for principles that are biblical and right and holy. And that's not always easy to do. So that's why my guard is up. That's why we pay attention. That's why we try to have the best defense we can. And we stand with God. Okay, i got to keep going. Number four, look for opportunities to destroy the enemy. Look for opportunities to, to really move beyond, to, to take him out. You know, in the game of battleship, you're, you're saying, you know, C10, and, and you're trying to look. And when they say hit, it's a great feeling, isn't it? hit and then if, if you sink a whole ship they have to say sunk and you go yes <laughs> there's something really powerful about winning in your spiritual battle there's something really powerful about knowing you're being tempted in a certain area but you are overcoming this thing look at verse 18 it's a continuation where we left off Ephesians 6 pray in the spirit how often at all times, is that even possible? Okay, we should talk about that for a second. On every occasion, I mean, that's a lot. Stay alert, be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. What is Paul saying? Paul's saying there's a readiness in your spirit, man, that needs to be ready all the time, 24-7. It's not talking about, you know, the minute you wake up, dropping to your knees and saying, okay, I'm going to pray all day today because that's what this says. No, it's about living your life with an attitude and a spirit of prayer that is aware. That's the key word, awareness of God in my life, everywhere, every decision. Every mile I drive, every store I walk into, every door I open for someone, every word that comes out of my mouth, you say, well, that sounds like a lot of pressure. No, it's not pressure. It's a lifestyle. If you can let it become a lifestyle, 
then suddenly it's not pressure, it's not working, it's not trying harder. It's simply letting the presence of God permeate your life in such a way that your automatic responses start to be godly. So instead of lashing back at someone, you sort of wonder what happened to them and how can I help them? They're angry. Jesus, give me wisdom. You see what I'm saying? So suddenly our natural responses are supernatural. And that's what I'm praying for in my life. I'm praying for that in your life. You say, well, that's unrealistic. I don't think it is. I think it just takes awareness every single moment to pay attention to this. I get caught up because I get caught up in, in not living like that. So do you, and we have to pay attention to it. That's why prayer matters. One of our 14ers as a church is, is prayer gatherings. We have another one, by the way, next Sunday night. Not tonight, but next Sunday night, the 10th of, of June. And we're just going to gather in our other auditorium over there and we're going to spend an hour and we're going to give you topics to pray over. We're going to pray together. I hope you'll be there. It'll be a great time. Hey, the last things that I just want to do here is there's three little things that I'm going to do real quick that say live with these things in mind. In light of everything that we've said, I want to give you some takeaways that I think will help you tomorrow, will help you Tuesday, will help you this week. Number one, I really need to acknowledge that I am in a battle. You know, if you're sitting there today saying, well, there's no battle for me, there's no battle in my life, you are very naive. Because there is. And it's going to get you when you least expect it, I promise you. I need to accept and I need to live with this reality in mind. Number two. I don't like this one, but I'm telling you, it's true. I will get hit. Just physically, if you play the game of battleship with someone, <laughs> this is real, okay? Tell me if you agree. The winner of that game is usually almost on their way out. They might have two spots left that aren't hit, but they just got the jump and they got the last one first. But they're pretty, there's never been a game of battleship played where someone was never hit one time. That's never happened. Well, what does that mean for us? There, there is something we can have here. We, we know that we live in a world that's corrupt. And we know that there, that sin abounds. I know that we have been redeemed by God and we don't have to waller in that. But however, we are going to be impacted by the sin in the world. We are going to have to live among it. We are going to have to be aware of what it takes to rise above it. So I'm going to get hit. I'm going to face those things. I'm, I'm going to be tempted with those things. And I might not always succeed. I might fail. And that's when you, you plead the blood of Jesus in your life and you ask forgiveness and you move forward. You don't get stuck there and you don't keep repeating the same things over and over. But my favorite part probably of the whole message today is number three, right at the end. Here we go. There is a way to win. There is a way to win. In the game itself of Battleship, someone always wins because they have that move that finally takes the last ship out. In our world, in the spirit realm, there's only one way you can truly win. And that is by the power and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit of God. You can't win in your flesh. It's surrender in order to win. So the more I live loosely, palms up, saying, God, I surrender everything I am, <laughs> the more effective I become in my life counting for God.
You know, you give up to grow up. And that's very important for us as a church and as individuals. Would you pray with me? Lord, this, this stuff is so valuable to us. Thank you for Paul's words to the church in Ephesus. Thank you for them. Help us to really apply these. Help us to really think about going forward with this. I ask you, Lord, to be very close to people right now who are not winning the battle. Now, this is super personal with heads bowed in here, just in a, in a prayer moment. Would you mind just, I'm not going to have you stand up or raise your hand or anything because no one really needs to know but God. If you're losing the battle, it could be just a dark spot in your life. Maybe there's so much good, but there's this one area of either addiction or habit or you just can't overcome. Would you just right now acknowledge that to God? Just say, Lord, in your mind, just say, Lord, that's me. I need this prayer because I have not overcome this. And I'm aware of that because awareness is the first big thing that's going to help you. So do that right now. Just tell him, this is for me. And I want to pray over you. Lord, right now, I pray that the Spirit of God would pierce through every man, woman, boy, and girl in this room and the South Auditorium as well, that if we're losing this battle, that we would surrender it right now. We would acknowledge it and we would surrender it. And show us who we need to tell. Give us wisdom in this because we're not going to beat this thing alone. We know that because we've tried that. So put the right person in our lives. Lord, that I might overcome this. I will be accountable and I will trust you. Because I can't do it, but you can in me. And I trust you there. That's so true, you guys. Second thing is, and I, I do, I would invite a response. If you want to raise your hand, you don't have to, but if you want to. You're in a battle right now and you believe you can win, but you just want to be prayed over that you will win this battle because it's a big one and you're fighting. Raise your hand if you're in a battle and you need to win. Okay. Okay, Lord, thank you for those that are engaged <laughs> and they know you're bigger. They're trusting you. Their faith is big, but they really need your anointing, your discernment, your empowerment by your spirit to listen, to grow, to learn, to be what you're calling them to be. We just reach out to you right now and ask that you will be in them what they can't be in and of themselves in the spirit realm. And Lord, if there's anyone here that doesn't know you personally, they're separated from you, I just pray right now that they would acknowledge that. You know, if you're here today and you say, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not really a follower of Jesus. I, I need to ask Jesus into my life. If that's you, would you just slip up a hand right now? I'm going to lead you in a prayer to accept Jesus today. Thank you. Thank you. You can put it right back down. Thank you. This is a great beginning for you. Right now, just, just say this right where you are. Lord, forgive me of my sin. I'm coming to you. I believe in you. And I believe you died on that cross for my sin. And I give you my life today. I trust you for forgiveness. Help me to walk this walk and help me to start a new, a new beginning for my future. I know you're talking to me. In Jesus' name, we pray these things. And everyone said amen. <laughs> amen.